0: This ad brought to you by the Cato Institute. Which U.S. state is the freest? Which is the least free? See how your state ranks at the Cato Institute's new web project and free publication, freedominthe50states.org.
1: Did the leaked video of Donald Trump recounting his treatment of women really change the political world? Though it quickly prompted a spate of Republican nominees to bail out and withdraw their support of the billionaire, Trump's fate and the fate of down-ballot Republicans are two very different things. We may not know until next week whether the bottom has fallen out for the entire Republican Party this election. I'm Adriel Bettelheim with CQ Roll Call, joined by Roll Call Elections editor Nathan Gonzalez and by Roll Call political reporter Simone Pathé. Nathan, the video and the subsequent defections look to have sealed Trump's fate and made it all but impossible for him to win the White House. How much has that affected competitive Senate and House races?
0: Well, the the short answer is that we just don't know yet. Uh, And this is kind of this is an agonizing week for Republicans. Uh, because they don't yet have the data in specific districts to say ultimately what impact does it have you know there was the initial NBC News Wall Street Journal poll that came out uh, where the sample was taken over Saturday night and Sunday before the debate uh, where the generic ballot uh, was a plus 7 for democrats was a which was a tremendous jump and actually the highest uh, margin in that question for democrats since the 2013 shutdown uh, that sent shockwaves but you know that's a national poll uh, you could also argue that maybe that, that was taken at the very worst time for the Republican Party. And uh, right now, candidates, the committees, the outside groups, everyone is going into the field to see what is the new normal. Uh, we're going to start probably seeing those numbers uh, here in the next day or so. But I feel like uh, by the weekend and early next week, we'll at least have – a good idea of if these races have shifted. Because we have a good baseline with with most of them, and so we can see, all right, this this is where the numbers are moving, and this is where the numbers aren't moving.
1: So so explain the partisan polling that's underway now to assess the fallout. What kind of questions do the campaigns ask? What are they trying to get at?
0: Well, uh, they're going to ask, initially, they're going to ask the same questions they always ask. They're going to ask uh, a generic ballot, you know, would you do it for a Democratic candidate or Republican candidate? They're going to ask favorable, unfavorable questions for each uh, for each candidate. Then they're going to ask a ballot test. You know, would you vote for uh, Danny Tarkanian or Jackie Rosen in Nevada's third district? Uh, then uh, they're also going to ask a presidential ballot. And all of these are are questions that uh, that they have a baseline for that they've been asking previously, and they have something to compare it to. Then I'm sure they will th- uh, throw in questions about how tied do you believe the Republican candidate is to Trump, uh, and that will help explain uh, if if there's movement because that's. The the bottom line is that Democrats, House Democrats are going all in on Donald Trump. I mean Democratic ad makers have been – I don't even know if they've slept yet. <laughs> They're just trying to churn out these Donald Trump ads. They were doing some of it before but now it's all Trump. And uh, And so even with the polling that we're waiting for now, it's still even going to be another week after that because let some of these Democratic ads – seep into the electorate a little bit and see if it re- if it resonates or if there's still a disconnect. Because uh, what what was remarkable about this election cycle before the tape was released was how resilient these Republican members were. Republican members that were, looked like they were dead on arrival this cycle because they represent Democratic districts were in pretty good shape. And so now we'll see, well, is that all wiped away or are they still in good shape?
1: And you've written that this is all about turnout on election day for the Republicans. That even if a small percentage of agitated Trump supporters withhold their support for other GOP candidates, that would make a difference. Shift of two to five points in most of the critical Senate races would give Democrats conceivably control of that chamber.
0: Right. I mean, it's become a a, a punchline, right? It's all about turnout, which, of course, it is. It's about it's about voters, but uh, many, particularly in the Senate, I would say. These races are so these I would say six races are so close that any drop off in Republican support, any movement of independent voters or moderate voters away from these Republicans, it can shift a movement of two to five points in the Senate in those key races, and and that shifts the whole you know who controls uh, who controls the body next year. Uh, So it's you know we have to wait and see whether these Trump supporters. How do they, uh, how do they invoke their frustration with the people who have pulled their support from Trump? Are they just going to boo at a rally, or are they really not going to vote down ballot? Are they going to vote for someone else? I, that's a that's a big question mark.
1: Yeah, have there been instances where Republican candidates push some kind of positive message to counteract Trump's image to try to define their opponents?
0: Uh, well, I mean, Republican candidates ac- across the board are trying to They'll have their own positive ads. Uh, I know there was an ad uh, with Kevin Yoder uh, from Kansas, 3rd District, uh, where he was helping a constituent, a young girl. Uh, and uh, so Republicans are trying to combat Trump by promoting their own positive and putting negatives on their opponent. And sometimes it's a Hillary Clinton or national message, but then but sometimes it's specific to that person and their record? Did they vote for tax increases when they were their county supervisor or in the, in the state legislature? And really trying to make it a local race. And, and that's usually the, the tough part that we have every cycle. One party wants a national race, one party wants a local race, and that's what they fight about. And that's where we are again.
1: Simone, you've been following the most competitive House races for months. You've been naming names, the most vulnerable incumbents. Uh, Before the video, you've written that uh, Trump was actually leading or at least competitive in a few toss-up districts. Uh, Now, who could fill the fallout?
2: That's a great question. So we have seen Trump doing better in some of these majority white districts, rural working class areas, Maine's second district, for example. He's been doing fairly well. Um, Two members on our most vulnerable list actually fell off this month who had been on previously, New York representatives John Katko and Lee Zeldin, both representing districts where Trump has actually been overperforming. So it'll be interesting to see whether the Trump tapes put some of those districts back on the map or which um, districts that have been sort of Democratic reach districts will now become increasingly likely that they might pick up as a result of this.
1: Uh, New names on your list of the most vulnerable House incumbents include New Jersey Republican Scott Garrett and Florida Republican John Micah. Neither is uh, sitting in a particularly strong Democratic district, but they've emerged as top Democratic targets.
2: So in the case of John Micah, he is sitting in a district that was redistricted earlier this year. Um, It's about 40 percent new to him. That's a tough hurdle for any incumbent, um, but certainly for someone like him who hasn't faced a competitive election in something like 20 years, this was probably a bit of a surprise and something that he wasn't expecting. Um, He had to get out there early to really introduce himself to new voters, something that Republicans say he has not been doing as aggressively as he should. Uh, And he's facing a well-funded young, impressive Democratic candidate in Stephanie Murphy.
1: Florida is always an interesting state and uh, even more this year because there's been an unusual number of retirements and the redistricting you just alluded to. Mm -hmm. Other Florida Republicans you list in trouble besides Micah include uh, David Jolly and Carlos Cribello.
2: Right. So David Jolly, this is another seat that was heavily redistricted, uh, almost to a safe Democratic district. It's looking a little bit more competitive right now. He's running against former Governor Charlie Crist, who is not super popular in the state. So that's helping Jolly.
0: And and Charlie Crist is trying to pull off a trifecta of losing a gubernatorial race, a Senate race (laughs) and a House race. I think there might be a special class for him if he can if he can pull that off.
2: Um, But remember, Jolly has his own baggage, of course, too. He's had a very tenuous relationship. Relationship with the National Republican Congressional Committee, so you can be sure he's not going to be getting a lot of outside help from Republicans to fill his coffers, which are pretty weak at this point. The other member you mentioned is Carlos Corbello. This is a true toss-up district, became slightly more Democratic in redistricting as well. He's vulnerable simply because of the district he's in. He's one of those members that came out early against Donald Trump that hasn't stopped Democrats in the last couple of days from trying to tie him to the nominee. Um, but he's facing former Democratic rep Joe Garcia, who is not the Democrats' preferred candidate going into that late August primary. So that's given Curbelo a little bit of a bump as well.
1: And on the Democratic side, uh, probably the most vulnerable House Democrat remains Californian Ami Barra. Um, Mibera, Barra, rather, uh, whose father pleaded guilty to making illegal campaign contributions to his son. Still uh, the top target?
2: Republicans definitely have their sights set on this race. Um, he has been down in Republican polling a little bit, but it's notable that his favorables are still fairly high um, for someone who has been embroiled in scandal. It's worth noting that his Republican opponent, Sheriff Scott Jones, also has his own issues to deal with. Uh, he's facing allegations of making unwanted sexual advances.
0: And I've just been increasingly skeptical skeptical about Republicans winning seats, taking over seats in California. It seems like they get close. It's like Charlie Brown and Lucy in the football, and it gets swept away at the end. Or I, I don't believe Republicans have taken over a Democratic seat in almost 20 years in California. And so it, it's competitive. Uh, without Scott Jones' baggage, uh, you know, Ami Bera would be in worse shape. But uh, we'll, you know, we'll see how it ends.
1: Now, over in the Senate, one of the half dozen most closely contested races is Missouri's, where incumbent Roy Blunt is in trouble.
2: Yes, this is not a race that we expected to be as competitive as it is right now. Um, that is in part because of his opponent. Democrats love Jason Cander. He's a strong candidate, he's a strong fundraiser. Um, his campaign put out the political ad that some have dubbed the most, uh, the best ad of the cycle. If you recall, it has him assembling an AR 15 blindfolded. Uh, trying to draw the contrast between himself and Senator Blunt. Senator Blunt, of course, has never served in the military, and Kander is making that a big part of his campaign. And Democratic outside groups are as well trying to drive home this narrative that Blunt, with all of his familial ties to lobbyists, really is a creature of Washington, whereas Kander is is trying at least to tap into some of that outsider energy, especially in a year when we know that Trump is going to win Missouri. In, in
0: Missouri is a good example of why we bother to run campaigns. I mean, a year ago, if you would have told me that Rob Portman in Ohio and Marco Rubio in Florida were in better shape for re-election than Roy Blunt in Missouri, I would have told you you crazy. But that's why we play the game. That's
1: why we do it, indeed. Roll call political reporter Simone Pathé, elections editor Nathan Gonzalez on closely contested House and Senate races and the video scandal of Donald Trump. I'm Adriel Bettelheim. Thanks for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, and you can find all of our podcasts at rollcall.com forward slash podcast. Have a good week.